Lisa Jo Greer. She said on uh, in the name of this, she titles it, I'm releasing the power of prophetic declaration to my people. On Rosh Hashanah on September 29th, 2011, at the beginning of the Jewish New Year, I had a vision where I saw an archer shooting a quiver full of arrows. He shot one after another, and all of the arrows hit the bullseye every time. I heard the Lord say, in this hour, I'm aligning my people. Where they missed the mark before, now, now, I say they shall not miss it, but hit it every time. Can you hear the sound of the arrow flying and hitting the target? So shall it be with the words that I place in your mouth. Your words shall be my words and shall hit the mark every time. For I will so place my word in you, and you shall deliver it with power, authority, and with grace. In this new season, my people will begin to learn to decree and to declare and to learn the power of my decrees. My decrees are written in heaven, and they shall be spoken and released on earth. In this new year, I'm releasing the power of prophetic declaration to my people. Natural calamities and disasters shall not cause you fear. You shall speak to them, and they shall be no more. Where there is drought, you shall speak, and rain will fall. Where there is lack, speak, and provision from heaven shall shall surely come. In this new year, I'm also giving to my people a new strength, a strength to persevere, for they shall need that strength, my strength, in the coming days. Do not look to others, for that strength can only be found in me. I also had a second vision where I saw an archer shooting an arrow and the arrow splitting an apple or splicing an apple in two. And I heard the Lord say, and yes, my arrow shall pierce the apple and smite it into two. For that apple represents the sins and strongholds of the past, which shall no longer have any hold on you this new year. Amen. What you could not overcome last year in the spirit, you will overcome this year. Amen. For my word shall so pierce the hearts of my people this year. Man. So she was giving a couple scriptures. She reminded of Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth and shall not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Also Hebrews 4:12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. She says, so as we divinely align with the Lord this new year, he will place within us his words. We will speak his words with power, with authority, and in his grace. Heavenly decrees will be released from the court of heaven and ushered into the earth realm. And in this dispensation of time through our own lips and the body of Christ and his bride will begin to speak and decree and to declare with the power and authority and due to them as sons and daughters of our bridegroom king. And because we will be in perfect alignment and union with him, we shall decree what has already been written in heaven and it shall shall come to pass. An exciting year awaits 
where you could not hit the mark before, you will hit it this year. This year is the beginning of the holy manifestation of the prophetic destiny of many reading this word. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. So I thought I would share that with you. Share it with you. Okay. So we're about to start our teaching. We're going to begin our teaching now. Um, I thought we would talk today about prophetic actions that heal. Prophetic actions that heal. Now, you know how God is. When he gives you something, he confirms it with a sign. So we've already had prophetic actions that heal with the chair. Okay, So I just want everybody to stay with me because sometimes we just, you know, just lock in to how God does things. And if he wants to confirm his word before it's spoken with a sign, we'll receive the sign. You got me? So he's already confirmed his word that this this revelation is from him and it's good and it's true and you can you can follow it in faith you can you know kind of stake your faith on it you can put it into action in your life it'll work for you so <clears throat> father in heaven do we pray already father in heaven we thank you for your word and for bringing people under the authority of your word to be blessed to understand to be set free to be healed For whatever they need in the realm, spiritually speaking, with natural manifestation will be done unto them today. So we thank you, Father, for your holy word. It is flawless. It is blameless. It is without any problems whatsoever, for it brings life. It brings health, brings healing, prosperity, and wholeness. And it brings righteousness. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So in talking about prophetic actions that heal, prophetic actions that heal, prophetic actions are definitive actions of uncommon faith. And that word definitive, I use that because that totally describes what a prophetic action does. It without a doubt produces what it is that you desire produces it without a doubt prophetic actions are done in abandon of natural understanding and there is a total trust in god in them so there has to be a a abandonment of your natural concerns, reasonings, thinkings, excuses, and there has to, then you must adopt totally trust in God. You'll see them operating like like running water in Jesus' ministry because you know, he didn't know anything that much about us to trust us. You know, he's always knew the father and they had such a relationship that he couldn't, you know, abandon his father for man. So his trust in his father was perfect. And so that's what it takes to to have this working in your life. And so there are certain actions that are definitive. They carry uncommon faith, not the measure of faith that you have. 
and not even the faith that comes out of your spirit, man. But this is uncommon faith. So in prophetic actions, we can say that all the gifts of the spirit that are necessary to operate will operate in that one activity. So if you need the gift of faith, extreme supernatural faith, if you need a healing gift, that's there. If you need a working of miracles gift, that's there. So in these prophetic actions, it's a nonstop, full-blown, definitive, whatever God needs to put on you to get the job done, he will put on you. Now, let me give you an understanding. When we talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit, that doesn't mean you can only get one here, but it's not like a menu thing. The, the, the Bible lists them just for the sake of definition. And it's not for distribution. Amen. So that if you need all nine of them to operate, to get you out of a jam, they'll fall on you Amen. and operate. You got me? And you don't just own a gift or, you know, just because you've been working in that one, that means that this one isn't available. Or if you work in this one, then if you don't work in that one, you have to let that go to pick up another one. They all operate. See, because if you look at it, say, for instance, we're going to go through some examples, but just an example that that Jesus had. Say, for instance, the woman uh, with the issue of blood. Not only was it, he said virtue went out of him. So it's a miracle. You don't pull virtue out of God. You got me? So when she abandoned what she had known she was trusting in to get healed, and she decided to get the the prophetic uh, action that it would take, touch the hem of his garment. That was her prophetic action. You got me? Within that action was whatever she needed gift-wise to get the job done. So you see their uncommon faith. Because in order for her faith to flip over from trusting in doctors to trusting in God, you're trusting in something you know because you see them and everybody goes that route. So now you've got to be all by yourself, abandon that route, and go flip over and trust God to get a miracle all in one shot. Well, she would have to have uncommon faith. She would have to have the working of miracles. She would have to have a healing gift, a word of knowledge, and a word of wisdom. You got me? And so, and uh, prophecy, because it was spoken to her. So it was a spoken word, et cetera, et cetera. So she's got at least six gifts of the Spirit working all in one operation. Yeah? Yeah. So always remember, the way the Bible describes them is merely for clarity and definition, not administration. They are not administered a little bit here, a little bit there. Would God, just because you never operated in the gift of healing, would God not heal somebody if his compassion was working through you and you had total faith to get it done? So this is how it operates. The prophetic action, what the prophetic really does, and and this is the way I, I kind of put it together from my understanding, is that God recreates a heavenly uh uh, operation or atmosphere down here on earth and everything that's in that atmosphere for the operation comes down to you so it's like say for instance if i if you like the way i give parties at my house <laughs> <You're right. laughs> we buy that 
that woo-hoo. But back to the subject at air. But uh, no, but uh, don't get me on the pizza delivery guy again. I just wore that out. It's terrible. But uh, but say, for instance, you say, oh, I really like the way she gives parties. I mean, she had this, she had that, she had that. And suppose I said, not a problem. I'll just put my house over in your house and bring the party to you. That's what God does. That's what God does with prophetic with prophetic actions. He takes all of heaven that's necessary. He looks at your situation and says, how can I correct this for you? I'll get this from heaven, that from heaven, and I'll just pump it down there into you. Let's plop it down there in your situation. And your whatever's not like heaven flees out of the situation. That situation is just like heaven right there on earth for you. So in prophetic actions... Those actions release that total heavenly realm down to earth, and it is specific. It is discreet. It knows exactly what needs to be done in your situation to correct it. The anointing is not some wild uh, substance that runs around and is uncontrolled. The anointing is discreet. The anointing is more person than it is a thing or an ooze or a this or a that. It's person. It has personhood. So when we say the anointing, we speak of it from a, a realm of describing it in natural terms so that we can put a handle on it. But it's off the chain. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you can't... You know, just really describe it. So as best we can, we say it's an unction because it pushes you from the inside. See, It's an unction also because it has characteristics of a balm or healing substance. So for that reason, we can call it an unction, but it's more than an unction. It also has personhood. Which the anointing is not like a surgical procedure where the surgeon says, well, we went in and we had some unexpected complications in your situation. Uh, Now, usually doctors like to give the drama, you know. I mean, that's just how they roll. You know, well, we... Surgery took four hours. Yeah, because two of them, you were in the other room doing something else. So it's not like two hours of your labor. Oh, now. They do that. They run from room to room. You get surgeons, they have what, what they call surgical suite, a suite of rooms. And they'll go from one, they scrub in on this one, and you get him prepped and get that thing open, and, you know, you, he go in there and do his thing, and he looks at that, and he said, well, you can close that up or keep it open, and you do this, and I'll scrub out of that, scrub over in the next one, go do some more. So by the time, you know, Christmas comes, he done been to about 16 rooms all in one week. Huh? That's why you can go on to Florida for a month. And you have yet to recover. Huh? 
because we have some unexpected complications. <laughs> oh, you could move that before? Ouch. Sorry. My bad. Huh? Yeah. And so the anointing, though, is personhood, but perfect personhood. You don't get any bad days or complications. The only complication you get from the anointing is it does exceeding abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. So you get extra good stuff with the anointing of God. What God is doing in in the anointing is he is bringing you back to the way he originally created you. It's a restoration process. It's not just patching you up and getting you almost there. But it's a total restoration process. So we need to expect that from God. Quit expecting just to get, well, I just, if I could just get rid of the pain. Well, why don't we get rid of the whole thing? Huh? That's where anointing works on getting the root. God doesn't know anything about patching anybody up and sending you back out. You know, he's, you know he wants you. He can only do things one way, and that's the flawless way. And that's the God way. So then prophetic actions are totally geared by heaven to bring about the good result or the heavenly result that you're requesting, that you want to have happen. Never start out with a scripture and wanting the whole thing and let your mind tell you to cut it down. You don't have to take away from God's word to make it manageable for him. He manages his whole word. You got me? So he can manage it just like he wrote it. I know it blows our mind sometimes to read it and see what he expects and what he'll do. But he, he wrote that word so that it can do exactly what he wants it to do. Because he wants to help and correct everything that's ever wrong with humanity. So there's a lot of good stuff in the word. You know, and we should believe God for all of it. So this, these definitive actions of uncommon faith, and they carry substantial weight in the realm of the spirit. Substantial weight. It, it's not like, say, remember when Jesus would go to cities and people just, oh, well, that's Jesus. I mean, you know, oh, you know, well, you know, that guy, yeah, I heard about him. And he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Uh-huh. It's not like that. This is substantial weight in the spirit. This is not just the the minor things that can be done because people aren't believing. This is, is a gift of God where you have enough faith to get God's attention. And then he, through his sovereign will and sovereign grace, just deposits that on you. Um, it's not like he's, you know, trying to get you to live above where you could live above or anything like that but these things carry substantial weight so god just needs to be able to have enough faith from you to get what he needs to have into you and you'll get it according to what you believe Uh, you get it according to what you believe so they are these actions are designed by god to release the soul from sickness and bring the body into health And to release miracle working power to a hopeless case. 
and it brings the desired result in full. In full. There's no partial anything. So the first one we're going to go over is in 2 Kings chapter 5. And this is Naaman the Syrian. And you'll see how prophetic actions operate. And you'll get somewhat of a clue as to what God's doing when he does these things. In 2 Kings chapter 5. Bless you. In verse 1, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. (laughs) So this man had a reputation of his own. He was a powerful man. He was somebody who could function, you know. Many times people who are successful in the natural realm oftentimes will carry this lack of trust for anything stronger than what they are because they're accustomed to using their own strength to combat the strength of others there are some people just stubborn you know they just i don't believe that you know (laughs) it's just hard to convince so to speak Uh, and so he was one of those type people you know oftentimes people who trust in their natural strength or in their Uh, in the dollar bill or whatever it is in the natural that they're good at acquiring uh, that they're good at acquiring they have a strength of their own and sometimes that strength will compete with the strength of God but Naaman had met something that he couldn't master and that was leprosy and so leprosy even though he was a leper he was allowed to uh to lead the army but leprosy is highly contagious so it carries a high element of rejection with it so here's a man that's very accomplished and he can't really enjoy the fruits of his accomplishments because of this disease and in the jewish culture a leper was to live outside of the camp they were not allowed see god knew it was contagious but other cultures didn't know it Huh? So you'll find cultures where lepers mix in with the general population. It was years before they realized that, you know, scientists, a microscope had to be developed and everything before we realized that leprosy was contagious. People thought it just came from nowhere. But God knew it was because he would keep lepers, he said, outside of the camp. They weren't allowed to mix in with the general population. All right. Y'all got that? All right. Good. So, and he says, he was a man of mighty and valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, this young woman had a sense that this man needed to be cured or perhaps other people would come down with this disease. See, she's dealing from a, 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 a place of knowledge uh, other than what these people have so she's anxious for him to get healed for a lot of reasons she's a captive and she's a slave there but God put her there so that she could bring healing and wholeness to this household 
listen, the next time you complain about your job, would you realize why you're really there? Huh? Well, you know, they don't like me. And uh, they don't pay enough. And I, I used to run stuff the last place I was at. Well, that's your problem. You need to quit running everything. And run it to death. Huh? And realize why you're really there. If this little girl could help her master and she was a slave to that family, she wasn't getting paid. Uh, She was a captive and she just had to work, period. And so God touches her heart for this man. And she said, would to God. (laughs) Uh, That's a prayer. In God's language, that's a prayer. She said, would to God my Lord were in the were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Just said it just like that. She said, well, he going to pray and see if God, no. See, now this is the beginning of prophetic actions. They begin with prophetic declarations. So underline verse 3. Very important that that word goes out first. You see, that's a definitive word. It's not a wishy-washy word. It's not a conditional word. Name it will get healed if he don't have no sin in his life. Hello? I mean, and that's real easy to get rid of, too. All you got to repent and quit doing it. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, that this is, a, you know, servants. Be sure to be the servant that starts the right kind of gossip, okay? Because I'm sure servants talked about them. Oh, name it. I just can't stand being around. You see his wife? Well, you know she cheating on him. But yeah, he was in her room and he stayed like 30 minutes. I know what I heard. No, you be the servant that starts some gossip about something that God's going to do. He'll cure him, recover him of his leprosy. So then another servant in the, on the grapevine, you know, this is on the servant gossip grapevine. One went in and told his Lord, saying, thus and thus said the maid that is of land of Israel. So he's repeating what she said. Now, listen, let me tell you something about prophetic words. God has those words formed in somebody's heart by an unction. When words have an unction on them, they are not like, uh, what's that game you play? Uh, post office or postman, you know. You tell the first person something, you say repeat it and tell them. By the time it gets to number three, we don't even recognize. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like in normal gossip is that way. If I hear it and, it's, it, and you tell it to somebody, you, somebody come to you and say, well, I heard you said so-and-so about me. I didn't say that. All I said was, well, I know you talked about me because they wouldn't tell me a lie. A mess. Unctious words are not a mess. They can be told over and over again. Now, I might say it in my way with fewer words than what it was delivered to me, but that unction stays on the words until they get to where they're supposed to be. God can take little gossipy servants and turn them into ministers. Huh? 
He said, open your mouth and I'll fill it with words. That's what he does here. So he says here, so this other servant went in, told his Lord, verse 4, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land. And the king of Syria said, go to, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. Now, it got all the way up to the king of Syria through the servants. God knows who to tell what. If it had started with a king, it probably would have not done much good. But when it went with the servants, it spread like wildfire. Got all the way up to the king. And he says, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six pieces of gold, ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter has come to you, behold, I have something I have uh, sent with this letter, Naaman, my servant to you, that you may recover him of his leprosy. Now, when the little girl told it, she said, go, go where and to who? The prophet that was in Samaria. The king of Syria hears it. And he decides, well, I'm the king. They can't tell me no. I'll just use my influence, my power, and my authority with somebody on my level huh, to get what I need from this man. It shows you what happens when you take the spiritual out of it and you put it, try to place it in the natural realm to get the same effect. Backfires. Because the king of Israel wanted to jump out the window when he heard they was expecting him to heal somebody. He said, are you kidding me? Why is he sending me this, me this letter? He went to repentance, sackcloth. I know I must, I must have done something wrong. Because this man's going to find something against me and they're going to find out I don't know how to heal nobody. I'm as good as toast. So it totally upset his life. If somebody asking you about healing upsets your life, you ain't the one, but you can probably get them to the one. You got them? You got it? Don't ever play these minister games where you try to work on people. You bring them to church. You bring them to where you know that there's an empowerment there and that they can be healed. That's your job to get them there. It is not your job to have your own little separate healing ministry and you mess people up and make them crazy. Keep prophesying to him over and over again. Oh, God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. God, you. Cut it out. Uh, don't get involved in that nonsense. This king had more integrity than a lot of Christians. He knew Im- it, immediately he had no power to do this. And he thought it was a setup. He said, man, I'm, I'm in trouble. You know how many horses and chariots them Syrians got? If I don't produce the goods, that man going to come over here and throw me out. So when the prophet of God heard, now this is interesting how all this information gets around. Huh? Everybody just a talking and telling. Hmm? It's called good news. That's how the news of God gets around. God puts it on the heart of people to share it until it gets to the right person. And it says he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter's come to you, you can uh, heal my servant. Verse 7, it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. And he says, am I God to kill and make alive that this man does send to me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. So he thinks this king is setting him up for failure so that he can come and retaliate against him. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard... 
Prophetic words don't die until they get to the right person. Even if it takes generations for that word to come to pass, they don't die. They've got God's life on them. They can't die. You can't kill them. They keep alive. They speak to people to to repeat it to somebody. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why are you tearing your clothes? Huh? Now, this is going to be enlightening for everybody on the food chain. Because the king of Israel should have known immediately to call the prophet of God. Don't you think? He would have known because he would have been consulting him in spiritual matters himself. But you can see there was probably not much relationship there with the king and the prophet. Or the king wouldn't have been at his wit's end when he was. See, when you get beyond your your understanding and you have relationship with the man of God, then you know to go to him immediately and and seek him. You know, they had uh, they had uh, uh, things that they trusted in where they could get an answer. Spaghetti. They had <laughs> those oracles is what they are, that they could consult them and get an answer from God. The prophet had all those things. So here you see a disconnect between the office of the king and the office of the prophet. It's come back together now. God does all these things. See, this is why it's good to obey God and do exactly what he tells you to do. Because you don't know what he's doing in your obedience. See, the result of your obedience is way beyond what your carnal mind could ask a thing. He'd blow your little mind if he told you everything he's doing. All we need to do is be obedient and do our part and let the result speak. Let the fruit speak for itself. And so here the prophet of God and the king have now, with a split relationship, have a relationship that's now being mended because of this situation. Don't be surprised if God does many things through a simple prayer request that you have where healing manifests or he manifests in his power. And he says, he told him, he said, wherefore have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. In other words, prophets need to have people to know that they have abilities so that they can help them. And so this is done to establish the relationship between the king and the office of the prophet. It's also done to establish the office of the prophet as something that can help the people there as well. Okay, so God is straightening out divine order here. He's getting it to where the king understands what he can do and the prophet understands what the king needs from him. Verse 9, so Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. Elisha sent a messenger to him now this man pulls up this is like benny hen coming to your house in a limo mm-hmm. you know just say chuck come out here chuck 
I have things for you to sell, Chuck. <laughs> Whatever. Huh? And instead of you going out to greet him, God says, we'll send Nikki out there and give him a message for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, most people who are regarding stature, regarding person, will do it themselves. This is where gross disobedience can come into play and you can lose the miracle. Mm-hmm. God's word to that prophet was to send your servant out with a message. Mm-hmm. Huh? Many times, oh, the man of God, he won't receive from us. You know, he's, he's on this level and I've got to go out there myself because we don't want to offend the, you know, the great man out here. You know, he's an important man. He's king of the Syrian army. You can't let respect of persons go through your head if you're going to be anything good for God. You can't wonder, you know, what's going to happen and if I don't want to offend anybody. You've got to keep the anointing where it's supposed to be. You have to keep it respectful. You have to keep it protected. So, and the prophet understands this. So, in, in order for the anointing to be protected and have the integrity he needs, he's got to obey God 100% down the line. God said, Send the servant, don't go yourself. Huh? Send the servant, don't go yourself. This has blown a lot of miracles out of the water because oftentimes the package that the miracles in don't look like much. It never looks like a, something that could help us or somebody that can help us. Oftentimes the people that look like they can help us just look the part. Huh? There's nothing there for us that will definitely help us. So we have to understand what God is doing when we're in his presence this way. And for the man of God, it was for him to send his servant out. So... He says, and the servant tells Naaman to leave. He said, go wash. Here's this important man, a warrior, with all his warrior regalia out there, his chariots and his horses and all his stuff pulled up outside of his place. And he sends out the, the servant, not the man of God, and he tells him to leave. He says, no, go wash in the pool in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to you, and you shall be clean. Now, this is the same prophecy that the young girl spoke. Huh? It, do, it never changes. God's word never changes. His will never changes. He tells Naaman, okay, that girl said I would do it. This is it. Huh? In the words of Mr. Michael Jackson, the late Mr. Michael Jackson, this is it. Huh? And this is all the it you're going to get. You got me? So if you don't jump on this right here, it won't be it for you. You got me? You only get one shot to obey God to do one thing. Huh? Now, people don't like that. Oh, you know God. Yeah, I know God. I know he has compassion on the ignorant, but the rebellious have a hard way, the Bible says. If you got your own idea cooked up in your head, how you want things to roll, you're, you're at the wrong door, okay? 
Because this is the problem in life most of the time with most people. Their own way has gotten them their leprosy, their sickness, their poverty, whatever it is. So if your way was right and was bringing in what you wanted, what you knocking on God's door for? Huh? Well, I'm just here because, uh, you know, I'm here to be a blessing. No, you ain't. You're here to get something. You never go anywhere to be a blessing. Now, we're all blessed people. But when you go to your job, you don't go there to be a blessing. You go to get the paycheck. Because if they didn't pay you, you'd be sitting right at home. Trust me. So don't get it. I just go there to be a blessing. How much time? Oh, I'm not on a time constraint. (gasps) All right. (laughs) Anywho. But you got me? Huh? So... He tells the servant tells him to go wash and you shall be clean. Now he tells him exactly what's going to happen. And this is what he wants, isn't it? He wouldn't be there if he didn't want to be healed from his leprosy. So the servant tells him exactly what to do in order to get it. Like people say, well, I went to the doctor and they suspect. I said, well, why don't you come to the meetings? This is where you lose 90% of people. Huh? Come to the meetings and stay until you get, until you get healed. Huh? Miss Barb, since you started, where have you been? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And she's already telling the doctors what she is and ain't going to receive from them. You got me? It's simple obedience. But most people, like Naaman, want it on their own terms. They want it the way they want it. Huh? Well, I'll tell you, yeah, everybody, you got it. You just don't want to let me know you got it. Huh? I got such plans for that chair. I mean, the fact that God did that here is no surprise. All these nuns with cancer. Do you know what that chair will do for them? If we... The only thing I'm not sure is what we're going to do about the coat, the jacket that's on the chair. Huh? I want to leave the chair exactly the way it is. Okay, Randy, you're the ball's in your court. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Oh, all right. So there he's sown into their healings. Okay, praise the Lord. All right. Well, we'll do that only if God says to do it. But I've got a feeling not to disturb it in any way. So, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, you just don't mess with stuff with God. Because if we take it away, whatever you need to invest in, it won't be there for you. So you know what I'm saying. We just, yeah, okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, praise God. So, all right, so... um. Praise God. Yeah, I'm excited now. Yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. So, you know, you just want to help people more. You're only here once a month, so, and God sees that, you know, so this is good. So, all right, so here, back to Naaman. So, he tells the servant, tells him what to do in verse 11, and Naaman was angry. 
Not the first person that's mad when God tells him what to do to get what he needs. Huh? I've been there. Huh? But I learned how to get over myself. Because I realized God wasn't going to change his mind because I didn't like it. I said God didn't change his mind because I didn't like it. That's only half of you. God didn't change his mind because I didn't like it. Praise the Lord. I mean, he does things after counsel of his own will. He, that was the first thing he let me know about him, that he was God. And I was glad to find him. I got sick of being on the throne of my life. I messed it up totally. So I was glad to get kicked off. I said, you mean somebody else can run this mess for me? So Naaman was upset, angry, wroth. And then the Lord sent him to anger management. <laughs> God don't care about your anger management issues. And he walked away. See, on the verge of his miracle, and he walks away. People will come to what you know prophetic meetings that conjures up all kinds of ideas in all kinds of people's brains. And because we don't let them prophesy to everybody and get up and, and you know, uh, have the floor and come and sit on the first, first row and all that kind of stuff, then they walk away angry because it's not the kind of prophetic meeting they thought it was going to be. Well, no, it's not. And we're not sorry about it either. Get up there and hear that nonsense. Know nothing about spiritual protocol, no, just nothing. Don't even know the spirit of when the spirit of prophecy is on them to prophesy. You got me? So, the, you know, this is nonsense. This is not some tryout thing. These are God's people. These are the most precious people in the world are God's people. And we let amateurs and, and crazy people come in, take over meetings, and start speaking to everybody. That's nonsense. Nonsense. I didn't get a raw. <laughs> I'm not going away though. And he went away and said, he said, now this is what he said. He told on himself. I thought, problem, huh? If his thoughts were so cool, how come he got the leprosy, huh? See, this is where the problem is. It's in our thinking and in our mindset and how we project that things are supposed to go. And they're always to go according to the we call in the shots on everything. Never submit. Never let God tell us what to do. Never be obedient. Never humble ourselves. We just got to call the shots all the time. So he says, I thought surely he would come out to me and stand and sing hallelujah seven times and, you know, jump off the podium and throw his mantle on me. Huh? Well, Yeah. Surely he would come out like <laughs> we play a musical chairs with one chair. I mean, you yeah, come on. How wonderful is that? Amen. See, but if you learn how to do things in faith and obedience, you'll get the benefit of Amen. the anointing. Amen. You got me? These are the things that are stumbling blocks to people of carnal mentality. Amen. See, they don't know about, well, I've never seen a chair heal people before and. 
Just because she sat in it, she think that chair is wonderful. You got me? I mean, cardinality will rob you. Huh? He thought, surely he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and strike his hand over the place. Boom. Hit me. Huh? And recover the leper. Are not Abana and far, far rivers in Damascus better than all the Well, here we go. He thinks what he has is superior to what everybody else has. And there is the fertile ground for disease to grow in. Pride, thinking what you have is so wonderful, thinking you know it all. Thinking that you understand great things, all of that nonsense that goes on in a person's mind will hinder them from humbling themselves to receive from God. And he says, so he turned and went away in a rage. More anger management issues. Oh, David, you just need a hug, buddy. Huh? No, he needs somebody with some God on him to confront him. And the servants came near. Here's the servants again. I'm telling you, if you get in a position where you serve under a man or woman of God, that anointing will come on you. Your words are just as powerful if you keep yourself in a position where you understand how, to, how the anointing and words and, pro, and prophecy and messages are transmitted in God for the good of people so you can help people. Not so you can be important or you can have your own ministry or you can get established or you can do this, or do, but so you can help people. All these servants are carrying prophecies from one to the next to the next to the next to the next. And they're bold. This isn't normal for, you know, a servant get get froggy. And, you know, like my mother used to say, <laughs> you're feeling froggy, huh? Hop over here and I got something to meet you. Huh? But, <laughs> you know, you know how moms was. Take no froggy out of nobody. And so, you know, if they get in any way insubordinate, they could be killed. They could be cut off punished especially if they were slave servants you didn't talk back to the master so here this man's running around angry like a crazy man he's leaving but then the servant sees that he's missing his one opportunity to get rid of this leprosy and he probably loves his master cares about him and he's willing to put his own safety security or whatever on the line in order to see this man healed and so he says to him the servant came near and spoke to him and said my father entreaty words of entreaty folks he's not trying to slap him around and tell him something and put him in his place but he entreats him like an elder like a father and he says my father he comes to him in an attitude of respect if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather than when he says, go wash and be clean? Huh? So in, instead of tearing him down in order to get some sense into him, he allows him to feel respect 
Only God can put words in a person's mouth like this. You know, you don't make this up and try to flatter somebody and manipulate them into getting their healing. You have to go to them with the words that God gives you. And so he says, wouldn't, suppose he told you something, do something big. He said, in other words, he lets him keep his dignity. He said, we know you're capable of doing big stuff. You're a great man still. But it's so simple to do this. He's not doing it to disrespect you. He's just doing it because it's a simple thing that anybody can do to receive their healing. And so this man, then Naaman begins to understand God's mind in his heart in this. He says, really? Just give me a simple thing to do so I can get my healing. With most people, it's a simple thing to do to get your healing. Simple instruction. Just stay under the anointed word, the healing word, until you're healed. But it's hard for some people. I said it's hard for some people. I'll just go there. Huh? Because people somehow think they know it all and they've only got this much in God. Huh? It's true. Because spiritual pride and religion will tell you, oh, you don't have to do that because you've been saved X number of years and you've been this long. And you, whenever you had, did that resume of length of years, you need to add to it, yeah, uh, you've been around at least 2,000, you religious demon, because you was use the same one that murdered Jesus. You lying dog and you're trying to kill me. Huh? And kill that thing before it kills you. Huh? Because religion will always tell you to rest on your works, your reputation, who you are. You know it all. It won't take that for you. You know the scriptures. Well, you've got faith. You've been healed before. You've got a ministry. You get other people healed. Hmm? Biggest lie was ever told. I can get other people healed. I just can't get myself healed. You're a liar. Healing is no respecter of persons. Why would God heal other people and let you drop dead? Oh, ye of little faith. Don't make me go there. Somebody say amen so I can move on. I think I'll park now. <laughs> so he says if he told you rather, how, how much rather than what he said, go wash and be clean. Something simple. Instructions of God are never difficult to follow. But you can make it hard because of your pride. It's your pride that makes it hard. It's your desire to keep flesh alive. And really this flesh needs to die because that's what's making him sick. That's what makes everybody sick. Is your, your preconceived idea, your false notion about what things are about. All of that. Verse 14 the word finally sinks in. Huh? Sinks in. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. It's got to be according to the saying of the man of God. Hmm? Now, I'm a minister myself. I don't care. Huh? If you go to God for an answer and he gives it through somebody else, you've got to obey them. In fact, I'd rather have it from somebody else. It takes me off the hook from trying to find the answers myself. Huh? Well, somebody will appreciate it one day. 
I mean, come on now. How hard could that be? You just go to man or woman of God that you know is in touch with God, and they can give you your answer, and you follow the instruction, and your life works. How easy is that? Well, I don't know who you think you are. You ain't nobody special. I didn't say I was special. I said I was obedient. You don't have to be special to obey. Coco obeys. Huh? Till you give her a treat and then she off doing her own thing. But as soon as she wants something else again, she sit there for you a minute and, you know, thump that little nub of a tail she got. And, huh? Hi. <laughs> I mean, it don't take much brain power to be obedient. You just have to want what God has for you. This is the, the thing. You can't get both at the same time. You can't have your pride, your reputation, and all of that and get healed at the same time. You have to get rid of one to get the other. Huh? You have to empty out before you can get filled up. He says, did it according to the saying of the man of God. That is very important. Don't cut corners. Don't add to it. Because your carnal mind will get involved in the instruction of God every single time. It will want to do it cheaper, for free, less time. I don't have enough time for that. I can't do this. I can't. Yeah. You also can't get it either. He says he did it according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Was he perfect? No. He got mad twice. And he tried to go home. And he turned his back on the man of God. He was disrespectful to the man of God and his servant. But did that stop God from healing him? No. Because let me tell you, in prophetic actions, as long as they're obeyed, they take into account who you are and how you're going to wrestle against God. And it covers that anyway. It covers it anyway. Why? Because the Bible says when we are faithless He yet remains faithful because he can't deny himself. If he shot his mouth off and told you he was going to heal you, he took into account your stubbornness. He took into account your don't want to believe and don't want to obey and want it your way. And do they know who I am? Do they know how many uh, soldiers I killed yesterday? Do I know? Yeah, we know all that. But we also know that your only answer and your only hope is in God. And if you've got half a brain for somebody, you can add stupid to your resume if you don't get up and do what God told you to do. Huh? It's a truth. I'm not Roth, am I? (laughs) Huh? It's crazy how people can have the answer right here and argue with the answer and fight with the answer. Can't see spiritual for being carnal. Huh? I can't tell you the people who think that because you're a mere woman, that you're a mere woman. Huh? And they go and give money to, to these ministries, men's, men's churches. Huh? Listen to, a, you know, tens of thousands of people deceived and their pastors in sin. 
and gay sin on top of it. He ain't even straight no more, and you got 20,000 people sitting there every Sunday, and nobody can pick up on it. Everybody's gaydar shut down all of a sudden. Huh? When you got the Holy Ghost, I don't care if y'all don't like it. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got more than gaydar. Huh? I get sick of it. I get sick of God's people being deceived and stupid because of nonsense. You know, anytime somebody accuses you of something, if you're innocent, you don't pay them off with God's money. You got, you got single mothers coming in there bring, trying to tithe so they can be right for God and trying to do all I hate it. I 100% hate it. I loathe it. Because somehow the enemy is able to put tons of finances into the hands of people who are not trustworthy people. And then a whole generation don't want to come to church anymore. Look at them preachers and what they do. huh? Totally lost faith and confidence in the most righteous institution on the earth, and that's the church. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? So, yeah, it's not going to be like you want it to be. Huh? And it's not going to come through who you want it to come through. Huh? But I tell you one thing. If anybody tries to steal money from from God that I'm in charge of, I'll tell them, take me to court. Huh? You take me to court. I'm not paying you a stinking dime get no settlement out of me the the calvary settled every bill that i'd ever had you got me every bill you'll pay the devil off devil be running the church he'll be in the pulpit next sunday he'll own everything because once you start paying him off you never get because he's a thief and he wants all of it so we don't do that we obey god but I'm telling you, if you're a spiritual person, you'll learn to you'll learn to recognize the voice of God and how he will have you to do prophetic acts to bring you out of your normal flow, your, your normal routine. This is what people hate. They want God, but they want him in a box where they can control him, pull him out when they're when it's convenient for them. Huh? Well, no, I don't want to go out of town. You mean you're gone all day? You mean you get on a bus and you got to be like, how come you can't have a meeting here? Because God didn't tell us to have it here. And when we have meetings here, you don't come anyway, yo demon, yo snake. I'm not Roth, am I? I could go to anger management. Huh? You know, it makes you tired. You see the devil robbing from back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I would tell Pastor Shirley, I said, well, here's somebody else that needs to be healed. We'll give them the tape and see if they'll listen to it. Very few people do. Hmm? I mean, there's people that, you know, if we were to put their last treasures in the coffin with them, we see a lot of healing school, Ministry of the Watchmen, tapes right in that coffin with them, never taken out of the envelope, and never listened to. Huh? If he had told you to do some great thing, huh? people don't do the great things or the small things. huh? Because it doesn't come like they thought it was supposed to come. Just like Naaman. 
But at least he had the humility when the servant persisted that he went and he changed his mind. Getting healed is going to have to cause you to change your mind. You have to change your mind about something. You have to change your mind about how long it takes. How long you got to listen to the word. How much you, you can time you can devote to this. Some people have in their mind already, well, I'm going to give it a couple of weeks. I'm going to go one time. You know, they don't say it out loud, but their actions prove what they believe. They want to come over and, and, and almost steal a healing at your meeting. Huh? Well, they tie that their local church. But see, they'll come over and want to steal a healing from you and not put anything in the, in the offering of what's left over. Well, how come you can't get healed over there? See, like Miriam said, you eat at McDonald's and pay at Burger King. Huh? See, people got crazy ideas. A.A. A. Allen had a, a woman in, in his audience that had come to, she had a baby that was born with, what, 37 or 29 deformities. 29 things wrong with that baby. He was maybe like 18 months old and never cried, never crawled, couldn't see. It's just, you know, a mess. And she had driven there and she had her last, she had enough money to put enough gas in her tank. This was the last day of the meeting, last night of the meeting. She had enough money to put enough gas in her tank to get home. And she sat in the meeting. She looked at the baby. And Brother Allen, they were starting praise and worship. And he started taking the offering. And she said, God, I'm all in. I'm going to put it all in there. She said, I'm here for my baby to be healed. I'm giving it all to you. Well, Jesus doesn't look at what you give. He looks at what you keep. He looks at what you keep for you and how you use it. And she put that in. And Brother Allen, while he was up there, he would get up and dance, you know, under the anointing. A lot of people lied on him, said he was drunk in those meetings, but he wasn't. Listen, don't let word get out, because if you can do them miracles drunk. (laughs) It's like they used to say about Pat Robertson. Well, he doesn't go to church. I said, shh, don't tell anybody. If you can have God working in you like that without going to church, don't let word get out. Nonsense. 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 But Brother Allen saw a vision. He said, there's a woman here with a baby. You brought him here from, he read it down the line, where she came from, how far she came. Is that baby here? Ah, it's my baby. Came up and put him up there on that stage. And Brother Allen said, place him right here. Prayed over him in the name of Jesus. That baby started moving, wiggling around on there, started crying. Got up on his legs, got strength in his legs, started walking, left 100% healed because of an offering that was probably only about 15 or 20 dollars nobody knew exactly what it was but in that day gasoline was what a quarter a gallon or something was back in the 60s and so she left there with that baby totally healed because she humbled herself and gave it all for the sake of that answer and we don't want to be inconvenienced and drive across town huh don't want to go anywhere to get God. But we say we want revival. We want the second coming. 
If he came, we wouldn't go, most of us. Huh? Because he comes to us all the time in another form and we don't respond the right way. So let's get off this trip. How much time do I have? How many? I can do a lot in nine minutes. (laughs) All right. We're going to go to one that I can do fairly quickly. Why don't we go to... John 9, the man born blind. Now, people who are born with stuff scare preachers. Like, what difference would that really make? Because we're not the ones doing the healing anyway. But I'll show you why they, why they scare preachers. John 9. Verse 1, and Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. Now, how did Jesus know that? Operation of the word of knowledge. Huh? See, Jesus would know it because the Holy Spirit could tell him easily. Or it might have been that he knew something about the man. You see, where people would say, well, he's been, he's been blind ever since he was born. He never had sight. That kind of thing. But it was established, and he knew it, that he was blind from his birth. Let me tell you why this scares preachers. Because our minds work just like these people's did. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind? See? You get hung up in the, the it, it's like you're a doctor all of a sudden. Never been to medical school. And when they called a roll in high school, you was barely there. <laughs> now all of a sudden you, oh, I'm doctor. <laughs> Let me get your case history. Pull them down on your nose so you can look wise. Let me get your case history. Can you tell me how old are you? When were you born? Who's your parents? Are they saved? Are there any generational curses? Are there any... That's the way every human mind operates. I wonder why. His disciples asked him, wondering why. Trying to go back in somebody's background and fix it. Listen, after it's done, you can't fix it. The only person who can fix it is God can fix it. So why are you asking something? If God's not asking, why are you asking? You don't need to know nothing about nobody's history in order to help them. You know, unless they just want to talk about it or something. But, you know, you can listen in a polite fashion. But I'll be honest with you, the way my life is now, now I used to think that it helped me a little bit. I could understand it. But I started listening to God more instead of people. Now I politely let people talk. But God's already told me what it is by the time they sit down. You got me? I learned how to just tune in to the frequency. Huh? I'm just being serious with you. Because if you can get the answer after somebody talks and it comes from God, you can get it before. Huh? Now, I'm not wanting to be rude. So I don't say, shut up, let's cut to the chase. (laughs) Come out of him. (laughs) No. (laughs) You got me? 
But it's not because I don't want to. I have to have great restraint sometimes. But you already know what the dealio is, you know, because God will give you a word and understanding so that you, you understand what the answer is. And their much talking does not change the answer. If they keep talking and you don't change, it came from God and you got it already. So, and it's good to, to know that it operates like that. I don't know how many preachers I would ask for prayer in my early days. Well, I'll pray for you and see what God says. I never heard from him again. And I never liked that. And I said, God, he said, I can give you the answer right there. I said, you can do that? <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm God. And it's been a, you know, a thing with us ever since. Oh, folks, you just got to stay tuned in. You know, people want to tell you stuff so you can feel them. I felt you when you came in. Uh, I really did. God already had me feel what the dealio was, and he's given me your answer. You know, preachers get spooked by that. And they're supposed to operate in the gifts, too. Got a minister once and asked me, he said, yeah, we've got so-and-so and so-and-so. And I want you to pray about it with me. I said, well, I said, okay, we'll pray now. Oh, really? You want to add retarded to your resume, too? Come on now. Let's, come on, please. Remember 1 Corinthians, whatever it is, the gifts of the Spirit are. We go get one now. I don't get it. They said, oh. Oh, okay. Scared them. And they never did what God instructed them to do. To this day, they haven't obeyed God. That's why I know people, you know, they do what they do. Okay, so so here we have uh, the man born blind. Who did sin? Dum, dum, dum. We're going looking for sin now instead of righteousness. You're going to be chasing that a long time because oftentimes people who sin, you think they're still in sin. They repented so long ago and your brain is still focused on their shortcomings and their sin. Huh? Or if they haven't, they could if they believe their Bible and be cleansed from all unrighteousness. But this being the sin detective. Huh? Right. The sin Nazi, checking up on everybody's do rights and do wrongs, that will never lead you to the answer. It gets you more hopelessness. And Jesus answered this, neither has this man sinned nor his parents. Hmm. Wait a minute. Hold it. We got him now. Does not the word said, for all have sinned? And fallen short of the glory of God. <gasps> How is it? Neither his parents have sinned, nor him. <gasps> that doesn't compete with my religiosity. Well, Jesus is telling the truth. He never lied. What they were saying, what they asked was, who sinned to make him blind? Jesus said, neither one sinned that made him blind, 
but this blindness is for the glory of God. Wait a minute, Jesus, my head is getting ready. Come on. I don't understand that either. Okay. All of sin and fall short of glory to God. Who sinned? Him and his father, that he was born blind. Neither one of us sins for the glory of God. If you will let it, all of your sin can turn out to glorify God. If you give it to him. If you will repent and give him your sin, it will work out to the glory of God. So Jesus had already had this kid's healing in his heart. So sin is not an issue anymore. If God has you healed in his heart, that means a sin is not an issue. We don't talk about it. We don't bring it up. It's not an issue. What is an issue now is, is this life going to give glory to God? And if you'll cooperate and do the prophetic actions, then it will. Whether or not it glorifies God is up to you in this respect. Not in that you've sinned and you're disqualified, but if you will obey what the prophet of God tells you to do to get your healing. That's all that's an issue with God, period. All these other issues, condemnation from the devil. Well, you couldn't, God couldn't possibly do anything good for you. Look at all you've done. Huh? Yeah, devil, and look at all I'm going to do when he takes the sickness off. I'm coming after your behind, number one. Huh? And I'm chasing you in a rat hole. And I'm taking everybody that you're trying to get from God from you. So, yeah, it's for the glory of God because I'm going to do all that. Blind from birth. God doesn't care. He put him here. Had his healing when he was born. Already mapped out for him. And this is the time for it. This is just up to Jesus not to let everybody get stupid. And he says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And this kid says, the light? I don't even know what light is. Maybe I should listen to him. He's the light of the world. Maybe I should go for my healing now. Well, let me tell you the difference between hearing God can heal, will heal, and knowing he's going to heal you now. There's a place where God brings it up into your time where you are right now. Jesus sets it up. He says, I have to work the works of him that sent me while it's day. So he's letting this kid know, you, you were born blind, but he can change today. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Or are you going to bank on Jesus being here forever? Are you going to pass this opportunity up? Or are you going to listen and obey and follow? It's just that simple. What do you want to do? So Jesus speaks in a way that hastens this guy's faith to believe it can happen right now. You've got to have that in prophetic words and prophetic actions. It has to be in the now. I have people telling me, well, I don't know, can you pray for me? This is a bad thing because they've already told you what to do. See? Huh? Can you pray for me? 
I'm not, I'm not healed yet. And it's been prophesied over and over and over again. By who? Huh? So you say, okay, I'll pray for you. And that's the most you can do. You know why? Because they're not going to let you do anything else. Until they decide that it's now, it's got to be now, God's got to do it now, it's now, it won't happen now. It's always going to be somewhere off in the future, and they keep doing, going down the same old, that road has got so many ruts in it, you get stuck in it. You keep going down that same old road you've gone before, get all the saints praying. Huh? Push. Pray until something happens. Or nothing. We'll take either one. Punt. <laughs> well, whatever. I don't know. You got me? It's ludicrous. You know, I don't mean to rap her. Ah, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Cut it out. <laughs> okay. Where was I? I'm trying to find my voice. Every word that Jesus speaks is a necessary word. you got to understand that about his speaking. So you investigate his words to see what he's imparting to this young man. And he's putting light inside of him. If you talk to, to eye doctors and people like that, you'll find out that the eye is constructed to transfer light. And if there's no light in their 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 visual process then they won't see more cirillo hands down a word of knowledge he received and we use it prayed for a woman that was blind and the lord told him to tell her look for light good enough for him is good enough for me and here it is jesus tells this guy he's the light so he says the light is here in other words you gonna see because the light is here Uh, the light you've been looking for is here amen when he, when he had thus spoken, <clears throat> he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed his eyes of the blind man with clay. Mm-hmm. And then he said, go wash. Now, this is real simple. He's, this guy can't see anything. And he hears this man spit. And probably not just spit. Of course, ladies don't do this. It's only the men. You know, you hear them hawking loogies. And it's probably like that. Huh? It makes a nice little mud pack. Now, listen, there was a, a legend in Israel that the firstborn male, his spit was anointed. Hmm? They would oftentimes have the firstborn male in a house that was obedient and served God. They would have the firstborn male to transfer power of healing to family members. And it worked as long as they were obedient. I mean, it was hard to get it under the law because you had to do a lot of right things. But And it might have been that that worked for a season or that worked with one instance and it was transferred on. But it was a common commonly known thing in the nation of israel so god oftentimes will use some of your goofed up 
fable, tale, tradition. People, Catholic people go on retreats and, and say statues weep and they get healed. You know, they're releasing their faith. That's what you got to understand. God doesn't heal because the statue wept. He, because they release their faith. Listen, if you can release your faith under the hands of a sweating preacher, spitting, sweating, snorting, and carrying on, then you can release it in front of a statue. It's just a release, but you're expecting God to do something, right? Listen, it's been some preachers who's as dead as statues. And people would tell them, there's this, uh, a testimony of this woman that her husband was in the hospital dying. And they were at a denominational church, not spirit-filled. Yeah, God will do that, just to blow our minds. And, and she told the preacher, well, I'm reading, reading James, and it says I'm to call for the elders of the church that you come pray for my husband. I got the oil. Well, ma'am, I've never done, done a miracle. It didn't say you had to do a miracle. It just said you come pray for him. And he said, <clears throat> she said, the prayer of faith. He said, I don't know if I have faith for that. She said, I do. Come pray for him. Amen. Made that man stick her hands on her husband. The man was healed. Amen. You got me? So ban the word. God's so desperate to help us. He'll get it to us any way we can. So, and he says, so this is what he did. He did a creative miracle. Now, what did God create us out of? Clay. Huh? Hello. Same thing here. These are points of contact that people can identify with to release their faith to bring it closer to the breaking point, the breakthrough point where they can get their thing from God. So everything he does is told to him by God to do. So that he can. And then there are lookers on as well. These people have faith that they can either put into the situation or they can pull it out of. So many times Jesus does this thing, these things for the seeing so that they can believe as well. So he puts an anointed the blind man and told him, go wash. Go wash. <coughs> Tells a blind man to go to a certain pool. And wash this stuff off his eyes. Now we don't know if the man is in shock because he spit on me. Let me get this off of me. But the brother is all agreeable to go wash. Huh? He either wants that man spit off of him. Or he's been caught up in a prophetic action that cannot be stopped. See, this man cannot not go to that pool. Because the power of God is on him to get him to obey. Now, he's telling a blind man to go wash. Is he seeing at this point? How many say yes? The answer is no. He's still blind. But he has inner sight. That's why you say the Holy Spirit is an unction and a person. He's being led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will never let you stumble. Huh? He will never let you hurt yourself. He will never let you harm yourself. He will let you, never let you come away empty-handed. He will get you to that place. Now, 
The Bible says that God makes alive the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. That's necessary here. Because Jesus treats him like a seeing person before he can see. Those things must be done at times in prophetic actions. So you will begin to act like you're something before you're something. The thing you've got to be careful of, you've got to do it consistently. Many people do it once and didn't see any action. Don't do it again. You've got to do it consistently. Now he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. So I am sending you to the sent pool. That word sent has to be in there to cause him to go. That has prophetic power on it as well. Everything in here points toward him moving and being obedient to the Lord. He went his way, washed, and came seeing. So he had no sight before he got there. But he came back seeing. If God tells you to do something, why would Jesus tell him to go wash in the pool if he was going to be healed before he got there? Twicky. This is why you can't quit and get your own idea about how God's going to do something in the middle of a prophetic action to get a miracle. You've got to obey him down to the... Absolutely. Because if you don't, you won't get what he has for you. Because God is not a man that he should lie, and he doesn't give us unnecessary things to do in order to accomplish what we need. Doesn't do it at all. God is there to help us and not to harm us. He knows the thoughts that he has for us, for good and not evil. And this is how you get your expected end. You follow the prophetic instruction all the way down to the letter. And whatever you want, God has a way for you to get, for it to get it to you without fail. The only way it can fail is that you don't follow the instruction the way God tells you to do it. But if you'll do that, these prophetic actions, folks, will result in your deliverance. They'll resort in your salvation. They'll result in the best that God always has for you because these actions are ordained by God to accomplish it. And they must be followed to the letter. You can't not follow these things and get the results of God. So the prophetic actions always bring the result of God. If they're followed, they bring the result of God. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to pray for people if you want prayer. It's a healing school, a miracle service. So we'll put some music on and get the altar set up.